0: The following is a podcast one Minnesota production. Oh yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah, betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Well, yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market with Stephanie Hansen. It's the makers of Minnesota. Hi,
1: this is Stephanie Hansen and you're listening to the makers of Minnesota, where we talk to cool people making cool things in the state of Minnesota Sometimes it's food. A lot of times it's food because, let's be honest, food is fun. Um, Other times it's apps or things that are being made. Uh, We are in the midst of Tech Week for some farm-to-fork aggregators and a lot of agriculture um, being focused on with Grow North and some of the food incubators in town, which is pretty cool. Um, My next guest, who is Jillian McGarvey, she uh has a company called Mostly Made. And one of our friends, her name's Jenny from the general store in Minnetonka, who's always recommending people to come my way, which I really appreciate. She's like, This is she's got a good story. You should talk to her. Hi, Jillian. Well, hello. So um, let's get a little bit of the story of Mostly Made. Like, how is it that you came to have this product that is we're gonna call it mama's best friend? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good word for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, four years ago, I was just making dinner for my sister-in-law while she was going through treatment for breast cancer. Okay. And, um, the big bulky baking dishes wouldn't fit in her freezer very well. And it was hard to transfer those pans back and forth. And one day I was making a huge batch of lasagna and I was going to give two to them and one for us. So I had all these pans laid out and I spent three hours chopping all the veggies and cooking the meat. And I realized that was where all the work of cooking was. And that instead of giving her the whole big pans, I could just bring her the fillings. And each one would stack nicely in her freezer. She could pull it out whenever they needed a quick meal. And so I I just started bringing her those fillings, and they worked really well. And so eventually I started keeping them in my freezer, too. And it was just such a relief to have a plan for dinner that I decided to pursue the idea. So Mostly Made is
1: a package that is like I'm trying to give you this visual here. It's like a Ziploc bag, kind of. That's how with, it started. <laughs> yeah, with seasoned meat inside it that you can yep. use to make lasagna, or you have an enchilada packet, mm-hmm. and then you have this little cook, this cookbook that comes with that gives you ideas for other ways of assembly or other ingredients to add. I'm yep. I'm curious how. I'm just I'm curious about this because we're seeing so much proliferation of meal kits and complete meal kits. And you just went a completely different route with just not just but the the meat part of the ingredients already assembled. Was that um, strategic on your part to not include like the noodles and the sauce and the other things?
0: Yeah, I mean, partly it was um, I'm gluten-free. So when I make a lasagna, I have specific gluten-free noodles that I want. Um, When I make enchiladas, I do mine with corn, but my kids don't like corn tortillas. So I do theirs with wheat. And I just felt like that's really more how families cook. You know, like the kids want a certain way and they don't, they don't want the sauce and they want extra cheese and the dad wants the extra sauce. You know what I mean? It's like everybody wants it a little bit different. And I felt like a kit wouldn't allow you the ability to customize. And I think home cooks, they know what they want. Right. It's just time consuming to start from the beginning, chopping all the veggies and cooking the meat. That's the part that I needed help with. It's really
1: interesting to me this time of year because a lot of kids have gone back to school and people are in the grind of having to get meals on the table quickly. Talk, talk to me about the process of, okay, you have this idea. Like, What was the first five things that you had to do then?
0: Well, I initially didn't really want to do a food business at all. (laughs) (laughs) So if there was like another business I could have done, that's what I would have pursued. Like I should have just stayed in my field of online advertising. But I spent the first year researching the idea to see if it had been done, if it could be done. Um, and I was really looking for the reasons not to do it because, again, I didn't want to have yeah. anything to do with food. Especially... And you were in online advertising before mm-hmm. that,
1: like SEO and search optimization and that kind of stuff?
0: I did a very specific vein of performance marketing called affiliate marketing. Oh, sure. And so I, um, so all those promotions and coupon sites, yeah. so I was managing those programs as a consultant from home. So you
1: do the research and you yep. keep coming back to this could be possible.
0: Yeah. All the research I found against the idea was really generic. Like Would businesses fail or, you know, <laughs> like most, most people take a lot of money to start their business. So it was really generic. And then the reasons I found to keep going were really on the trend of meal kits and the struggle people were having cooking fresh meals and the trends of kind of how the grocery stores were evolving and how tastes were evolving. So it, kept me moving. And then um, I first heard the word co-packer, mm-hmm. like from an episode of Shark Tank. because <laughs> That's how deep my knowledge was. Right. like I finally was like, oh, that's the word I need to Google. And so I went and, and, and looked up what a co-packer was. I found a couple of um, co-packer phone numbers for um, facilities in the area. And I was so nervous to call that I actually had the number on my phone and I hadn't hit call. And my husband just walked up and the green button and called for me and I had to pick it up and sort of scramble and yeah yeah I was nervous to go forward with it. Was it
1: different to find a co-packer for meat? Yes it has to be USDA. Yeah there has to be a whole bunch of different hurdles to go through than like if you were a canned good.
0: Yes and then with the nature of my product it has to be frozen Um, it had to be in a boil in a bag pouch so there were a lot of difficulties like for me to get a kitchen and just do it myself, mm-hmm. it would have either been impossible or I would have had to get a lot of money to get the necessary equipment to have a high yep. quality product. So
1: you meet with a co-packer and they decide they're going to do it. Do you remember Do you remember how much it costs you to get them to agree to take you on? Well, it took 18 months.
0: <laughs> so I went back to the same co-packer over, you know, every couple of months for a year and a half and we'd have coffee or I'd just show them a box design or something to show progress so that they wouldn't forget about me. Yep. And then finally, after a year and a half, um, Kurt, the, the plant manager, he said, look, Jillian, if you can sell the minimum batch, then we'll make it for you.
1: And what was the minimum?
0: Uh, about a thousand products of each flavor.
1: And so how much did that initially cost you to invest in getting this off the ground? Yeah.
0: Well, I had to sell it first. And so it wasn't an investment to me. I needed the P.O. Yep. So I didn't have to put the money forward. I actually had to get the sales first. Got it. So it was kind of a chicken and an egg situation.
1: So I but went... at that time, you'd already invested in packaging, I'm assuming, and design. and
0: Well, kind of. My um, friend and I actually did the, the packaging. It's cute. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. Yeah. It was um, homespun. So we worked on that and like would work on it while our kids were getting home from the school bus, and then we'd run out and get our kids and work on it some more.
1: So now you know that the co-packer will make you a 1,000 or 2,000 items, assuming you can sell it. So did you just start to pick up the phone
0: and dial? I did. I went out, I emailed, I visited a lot of grocery stores, and the grocery stores all said no. Yep. (laughs) They didn't like, they weren't comfortable with the idea because the product wasn't, it didn't exist yet. I didn't even have packaging made. Yep. So they're not going to buy something that they don't see. Okay, like brainwaves. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm selling (laughs) at that point. Um, So I don't definitely don't blame them. But I, you know, remembered I have a background in online advertising, so maybe I should just try to sell it online first. So I started a Kickstarter, um, and I ended up pre-selling about twenty-one thousand dollars in a month online. Wow! And that gave me that's incredible. Yeah. You must be a really good online marketer, Miss. I don't. Well, honestly, a lot of it was um, I did do online ads because I was nervous about it. But a lot of it is in the pre-campaign. So before you launch, you should find the necessary people that you need to back your campaign. Like you can't just hit launch project and hope for the best because nobody cares. You know, so how did you
1: learn about how to do a Kickstarter? Because I think a lot of people do exactly that. They, we're going to do a Kickstarter and launch, and then it's like, oh my gosh, we have to do this constant
0: marketing machine to keep this thing going. Did you research that? I researched heavily. Like I'm kind of a risk-averse person, sure. and so I didn't want to put a lot of money into the idea in developing something that people didn't want. And so the Kickstarter wasn't just important for the pre-sales for me. It was important to validate the idea because, I mean, this could be me being crazy. You know, like maybe it is a bad idea. I don't know. It Really, people have to buy it in order Mm -hmm. for it to make sense. Um, And I didn't want to, like, quit my job for a bunch of magic beans, you know? yep. And um, yeah, so the, the Kickstarter, uh, it was really important for me to just validate the idea. And I, um, I ended up reading a lot about it and then ran that pre-campaign. And then I didn't launch until I felt like I had enough people committed with like, I had a, an email newsletter sign up to be notified when the campaign launched. Um, and I had enough uh, activity on Facebook where I could run like a kind of a retargeting campaign yep. and remind those people to come back and purchase.
1: You're very interesting to me in that your product is great. It's good. I I liked it. I can see that it's fun and I can totally um, see people buying it and moms buying it. But what's fascinating to me is you're really the marketer of all of this stuff because the product, if without the marketing, I don't know. Like, you know, it's like I think it would be harder to Market it, but because it's new, it's a new category. It's not something that we're used to. But so you have real expertise in this marketing side of it because nobody's going out there and selling a Kickstarter of $21,000 of a product that nobody thinks they need or have heard of, by the way.
0: Yeah, well, and good for you. Well, thank you. The, The Kickstarter was helpful, too, because you got to have a video and it's a product that really needed demonstration. How did you get the video? I made that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I had a tripod and I literally did it myself. I would hit the play button or the record button and then walk around to the where I was sitting. And I am a little bit camera shy. Um, I didn't want to be on the film a lot. So I filmed um, a lot of the people who had tested my product. Yep. And like friends and neighbors and family who I'd been giving samples to just to get feedback. So I filmed them using the products or eating the products so that I could get their reactions. What was it like
1: to go back to the co-packer and say, well, I've had my Kickstarter now and I've sold $21,000 worth of product?
0: It was good. So I, <laughs> But I, I honestly, like, I don't know what I'm doing at all. I mean, I'm just sort of, um, I don't know, finding my way through it. Sure. And so I, we started the R&D process, which is what that is called. Um, and so it was, I, you know, turned over my home recipes to them and they began working on it and they produced the first test batch. I remember in April and I I went to the plant to pick it up and I was super nervous because I didn't know what I was supposed to sure. do. And he brought it out like hot and I took a bite and I was like, it's good. I mean, what do you say? Someone yeah. puts food down and you're so you're supposed to be polite. Like I, I ended up just being like, okay, well, I will let you know what I think. Did you think it was good? It was okay. Yeah, it was pretty good. And I, but I, I was just so unsure and I'm not a chef. So I took it home and I I had two more bags of it frozen in a little Coleman cooler in the front seat of my car and I was driving home in traffic, just thinking, What am I gonna do? Like what am I (laughs) gonna tell this guy? And so finally I was like, you know what? I can't do a focus group, but I can have a party. And so I just sent all the Kickstarter backers an email and invited them to my house to taste the first round of products and see what they thought. And I had like three tasting parties over the course of the R&D process. And I collected, I, well, I handed out little sheets for them with, yep. you know, all of the information to fill out whether the spice was right or the vegetables were crisp enough. Um, and yeah, I collected it all. I made little bar graphs out of it. And did they think it was good enough? <laughs> yeah. At the end. Yeah. People were like, wow, this is really good. And I would always vet it. I I'd, I'd do a sample against my own home cook batch to see which they like better and I was actually really surprised that people preferred it to be spicier. So they were pushing it to be like, yep. yeah, we want it spicier. Spice it was, is
1: so tricky in Minnesota, yeah. you know, because we don't think we like spice. But yet more people like spice because spice translates into flavor than they think.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I had always been told, like, initially when I was um, giving out samples, a lot of people in the in the industry, the food industry, were, were telling me it was too spicy, um, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, my kids like spicy-ish food. Yeah. It's not going to make you cry, but, you know, it's you know, it's in there. It's right. adding value. So then you get it all
1: situated and your first, what does it feel like when your first, like, package comes off the line?
0: It was like bringing home a new baby. <laughs> I remember, like, I was so paranoid. I was lining up because it's a frozen product, mm-hmm. right? So I didn't want it to get, um, you know, the, the perishability to, to get ruined and so they delivered it to a freezer a storage freezer that I was renting from a caterer caterer he had an empty freezer and they had delivered all this product that I was going to um deliver it to our Kickstarter backers yep. locally and i just remember like walking in and it was this whole room of stacked i mean it was like 1200 pounds of food that yeah. i had to hand move and stack into the freezer myself And I was like shaking, you know, like, what do I do with it? It's just like a new baby. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So you got it all distributed and Mm -hmm. then have people been
1: coming back? And so mostly your orders are coming from online. No, no. Tell me about
0: that. (laughs) Online is not uh, quite there for frozen food. Like, I think I'm a little early to the party online. Yep. So even though I sold you know, the $21,000 online. A lot of that was actually to local people who then I just dropped it off at their house. It was February. So it was easy to do that. Um, There were some internet or some uh, national orders. So we've shipped to 23 States so far and, but people generally are not looking online to buy frozen food. And just as an example, we're on Amazon And I made two orders that came in in one day. So two customers ordered the same product one day and then the next day. Yep. And after two sales, it was $110 was the total. We were ranked the fifth top frozen food merchant on Amazon (laughs) with $110 in sales. But did that translate to future sales
1: or no? Because there's just not enough traction there.
0: Well, it takes a long time for people to get through a box because they're each uh, five products. So you have to have five meals, which, I mean, I've had a a number of people reorder several times, but it is, you know, it does take time. And most of the orders I'm getting online are reorders from the Kickstarter. Right. So
1: now you're having to go into stores again. Yes. Say I'm the crazy lady who tried to sell you air at first, but now I actually have something.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And once they saw the products, then they came around. And so where are you available right now? Uh, We are in Kowalski's, Festival Foods, Lakewinds Co-op, Seward Co-op, Jubilee Foods and Mound, and the Mac Foods. How much
1: of getting into the store is you demoing it and standing in the
0: aisle on Saturday afternoons? Oh, a lot. I'm a demo lady right now. (laughs) I have probably done 70 demos since April. And when you demo, do
1: you feel like... I mean, of course, people go and buy the product, right? Would they buy it without you demoing?
0: No. No, they wouldn't. I mean, maybe. Because yeah. it does sell if I'm not there. But for the most part, like, I was demoing this one day, and it was up in northern the northern suburbs. And this woman came, and she tasted it. She loved it. She went and she got both flavors, and she was looking at the boxes, and she was like, is the, is the chicken antibiotic free? I said, yes, it is. And she goes, oh, great. And 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 what about the organic? I said, yeah, we're using some organic veggies. Oh, great. And is the packaging, is that BPA free? I'm like, yes. And she asked all the questions that I asked myself when I was making the product and like a little like halo beam came down from the sky. <laughs> and I was like, this is my customer. Like, this is her. This is who's going to buy my product. And she ended up buying four of them. And she was like, we're going to use this because we have a soccer tournament this weekend and this is going to be perfect. And it, it does help you, me, like it's more than just helping the grocery stores and supporting those grocery stores that gave me a chance. And, but it's really finding the customer, like understanding it for me as a marketer and understanding how I can create products for that, that customer.
1: I thought about you too in the, when I was thinking about, you know how people sell like fundraiser food? Yeah. Like I thought this could be a good fundraiser food for teams.
0: I would love that. Any teams, please. Yeah, or (laughs) send it my
1: way. Yeah, because it is sort of naturally. It is. It kind of. It'll feed. It feeds a lot. You know, enchiladas always feed a lot. Lasagna feeds a lot. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking about line extensions
0: already? Yeah, yeah. I had um, initially. I was planning to start with three products, but I would have had to raise a lot more money on Kickstarter, and I didn't think that was realistic. And so, to figure out the two that I was going to launch with. I looked at the Google keyword search data to see which of those product names was searched more frequently, and it turned out that lasagna filling or lasagna and enchilada were searched about 100,000 times a month compared to the other flavor, which was only 10,000 times a month. So I decided to go with the one that was more popular. You're so smart. I'm very risk-averse, so I look for data because I want to follow breadcrumbs. I don't I don't want to have to guess. But that's a, that's a strategy
1: um, uh, in our... In our business, I guess, that I had, that was my husband was very data driven and I was much more instinctual and I always made the instinct mistakes and he made the data mistakes, which sometimes you have great data, but you still make mistakes. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting because so much of what you're doing has been driven by that data and by that market research. So how do you market now? Like, is it just getting in front of mommy bloggers and what's your secret sauce?
0: Um, I am. I'm still finding that path. Um and I think it I you know saying this coming from a background of over a decade in online advertising, I have turned off my online ads, especially in Facebook and Instagram at this point. I just feel like those platforms are so bloated with ads that people don't care. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be interrupted when they're looking at pictures of their friends and so instead I put the money into sponsoring youth sports teams uh-huh. and events because again I, the halo beam came down. I saw my customer, and she, you know, I I think it's definitely like the busy mom who's going to different sports and juggling lots of activities. And so we're sponsoring a, a running series for kids out in like the Stillwater Woodbury area. Yeah. Um, looking to sponsor some soccer teams, hopefully a basketball team, a girls basketball team. So that's yeah. really smart. Yeah, I hope that that works out for yeah. you because um, it seems
1: like. It's funny you bring this up because a friend of mine just sent me – we were supposed to work on a project, and she said, Can I reschedule? One of our friends is having the entire hockey team over for something, and she didn't have enough hands, and so we're over here assembling apple crisp. Oh, yeah. And I, she sent me a picture of like her and her three friends and their giant pans, and yep. that – I had just used your product, and I thought, <laughs> wow, this is something that I need to tell her because – that's a market for her, and it made me think about like how easy apple crisp is to assemble. Like if you had the frozen apples, and yeah, I was do just going to say you... mostly apple crisp. Yeah, <laughs> do you think you would do like other things that aren't meat, or will it all be driven in like the meat base?
0: No, there'll definitely be other things. Where I've had requests when I demo. To have vegetarian products too. So. Yeah, and like burrito
1: fillings yep. and just.
0: So, <laughs> for our whole purpose as a company is to help people make dinner and make it easier. And uh, yeah. mom's trying to like read the exactly. little exactly. You shouldn't have to like get under the right light to see what oven temperature. <laughs> you
1: need. Are there when you look around? Are there other products that you see and you're like, "Oh, this is so cool."
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I look at tons and tons of of industry stuff, so I'm always following, you know, what's coming out in the different industries. Um, I like some of the the local products that are out too, mm-hmm. um, oh, like the noodlers, yeah, the noodlers dumpling and large. strand, yes, yeah, very those are nice. really cool products. Yep, they go well too with like yeah. the lasagna filling if you wanted to make a, a nice bolognese with it.
1: Yeah. Oh, and you certainly, certainly would. Their de- noodles are delicious. Um. All right. So I appreciate you coming in today. Yeah, thank you. Um, is there anything the listeners can do to help you along? Like if they have friends or family, how do you want them to connect with you?
0: Well, you can find our products on Amazon or on our website and order them. And we can actually ship anywhere in the continental United States via two-day ground. So we can and go it's anywhere. And mostly mostlymade.com. Mostly-made.com. Ma- mostly-made yep. And then, uh, or we're at 30 different metro grocery stores. So, Kowalski's, Lakewood's Festival Foods. And if anyone runs any kind of fundraising
1: operations, because I think that could be a really cool one for you, too. Yeah, locally, I mean, we could give
0: like 20 or 25%. See?
1: Oh, and I was going to ask you about that because you also donate.
0: Yes. Yeah, we have a a program called Random Acts of Casseroles. So, we give one meal for every case that we sell to the Ronald McDonald House. (laughs) I love that. They really,
1: Ronald McDonough House is a great charity.
0: Thank you for being here, Jillian. Yeah, thanks for having me.